okay, it's that time of the year where playoff dreams go to die, <laughs> and some, some, just come to life. So mm-hmm. here we are with the first week of our football podcast, and it's the Canadian Bomber, Nico Miatello. How's it going, buddy? Uh, not so bad. How are you doing today, Vince? I am potting, which is That's for nice. us seems to be one of those things that <laughs> we really want to do, mm-hmm. but then life has somehow found a way to get in the way. Over and over again, man. It's uh-huh. I, it's a stressful time of year for everyone, regardless if you're you've got a great relationship with your family or you don't i've got uh, a pretty great relationship with my family and my uh fiance's family as well my i love my in-laws i'm one of the few who can say that but still just having so much go on at the same time can just drag you down after a while just because it's it's stressful. It's going through everything at once. You speak of somebody who sounds in their late 20s. Yes, yes, absolutely. Because us who have hit the mountaintop of 50, mm-hmm. we don't think in those terms. Yeah. Now, usually at this time of life, the kids are leaving and whatever. But the one piece of advice, and I know I probably sound like old man, get off my lawn, but I'll say it anyway, is the priority of you is so important. And if you can get it early, it makes everything a lot more valuable. And what I mean by that is not just like, just look out for yourself. Don't look out for anyone else. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is there has to be some time that's just for you. Mm -hmm. Whether it's rest that impacts you, whether it's creativity, whether it's whatever it is that you like doing that kind of drives you, you got to be able to scratch that itch. And if you don't, I don't know if you can be as effective to everyone else that's in your life because you're not whole. Yeah. I that's something I definitely need to work on. It didn't help. Most times uh, this time of year is a lot more fun for me. I'm a big Christmas person, came from a big Christmas family. But the combination of just everything adding up with being sick and also having to go through final season and everything all at the same time, trying to start up FRPC with you. It was a group of things going down all at once. And it's, it's run me a little dry, but I'm, I'm ready to get hit the ground running and I'm glad I'm on the other side of it now. Well, with that being said, let's talk a little football and we're going to, we're going to touch on some things that we do kind of know about right now. I do mm-hmm. want to touch on a couple of things around the league, but the one thing that I do want to hit on is Pittsburgh Steelers winning against the Vegas Raiders. Yeah. And 
the stat that stood out to me. Mm -hmm. This is the fifth time that the Raiders have had a seven point or plus lead at halftime Mm -hmm. and lost. Uh Uh-huh. It's also the first time that the Steelers have had a seven point uh, deficit at halftime and won. So clearly it's, it's a Raiders problem more than anything. People will talk about the uh, passing of Franco Harris. Yeah. Um, the 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception. <laughs> yeah. His jersey retirement, number retirement. Mm-hmm. And I believe all that is all a confluence of things that went on. Yeah. But let me tell you something. It was super cold outside. <laughs> Yeah. And nothing was getting done. No. I am at the point where I believe that it's time to move on from Derek Carr. I don't think he's done as a starter. Mm -mm. I I just don't think this is a guy that's going to lead the Raiders to where they want to go. Yeah, that's fair. I'm a pretty big Derek Carr supporter overall, and I still think he's got what it takes to be a really good quarterback in the league, which I'm sure you think so too. But just uh, clearly with the Raiders, it might be time to tear down and rebuild. And today we already seen our first new head coach get fired in Nathaniel Hackett. Maybe Josh McDaniels could follow him on a similar trajectory because it doesn't seem like that's working at all. Nathaniel Hackett, to me, was a twofold issue. Mm. One, I don't think he was ready, Mm -hmm. clearly. But I also think there's a second part of this. And I believe that Denver or he thought, they had the inside track to Aaron Rodgers. And he was, Aaron speaks highly of him. Mm-hmm. Highly. So I believe they thought they had some sort of inside track. They had to pivot. And I just don't think that Russ and Hackett ever really got some sort of understanding of what this offense should look like to to enhance him. I'm not saying that Russ hasn't been bad mm-hmm. 100%, but I just also think that if you are a talent evaluator and somebody who puts together offense, you have to be able to look at your quarterback and go, okay, these are the things he can do well. These mm-hmm. are the things he cannot do well. And lean into the things that he does well and take away the things that he doesn't. I mean, it, it comes that simple. Yeah. And I saw nothing in the pro, in the projection of this offense mm-hmm. that showed me that that was going to happen or has happened or there's there seems to be some ray of sunshine on the horizon. So this was a mercy kill. I have no problem with it, but I do believe that that guy would have been a different coach if Aaron Rodgers was in the building. No slander towards 
Wilson on that part. I just think there was a kinship between those two. Mm-hmm. I think that he, I think Rogers would have saved him from things that happened as far as the time management thing, as far as some of the, just some of the weird calls. I mm-hmm. think that Rogers would have been able to kind of almost work as his own offensive coordinator. Yeah. I'm, I'm not uh, sure it went the way that you were describing where it seemed like Rod- or he was convinced Rogers was coming. But if that was the case, uh, this pivot it clearly didn't work out for them. I'm not sure I'd be willing to pivot and move off multiple draft picks in the same move, but I guess they did it. And I know you didn't want to slander Russ, uh, but I will for you. He, it's been 18 months since we've seen this guy play good football and people don't generally come back from stretches like that. Uh, we haven't seen it happen very often. So, I'm kind I'd be really worried if I were them and whoever is the next coach to go into Denver now I really don't envy them at all because I think this situation is going to be very difficult to find a way to recover from they did get that draft pick in the Bradley Chubb trade. So they they do have some ammunition to make moves this year, despite trading away multiple picks for Russ. But it's it's just a rough spot to be in. Okay, so let me ask you this question. There's two ways of going about this. Mm -hmm. One I'm going to propose, and it kind of leads to what we also do, which is a basketball pod. So I'm kind of bring some NBA into this, oh, right? I, that's where my mind was going to. So, okay. Uh, so, but I, it's not as bad. So what I'm saying is this. You saw what happened in the NBA with Rudy Gobert. Mm. Obviously not going as bad as this situation. Yeah. Understandable. But could you then trade the asset that you gave up a boatload of picks for to recoup some of it, like to a team that needs a quarterback and just needs a leader. I look at Tennessee. I look at places like that where you minimize what Russ could do to you. Indianapolis is another team. I'm not saying that I would. I'm not cursing any of these teams with this. I'm just asking a question. Indianapolis, I think, makes the most sense of that group just because they have absolutely nothing at quarterback unless uh, Sam Ellinger takes over from Nick Foles at the end of the year and shows us something. But I kind of doubt that. It's... I'm with my Maybe. boy Rosillo on that, that uh, Ellinger is not a really good he, – he can't play football. He's no. not good at it. No, 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 not particularly. Yeah, I don't know. I think if Minnesota wanted to pivot, it would be a, 
a little easier. I kind of think on some level, the Bradley Chubb trade was part of that pivot already. <laughs> like they're recouping picks for the players on their team that they thought would be getting them to the promised land at the beginning. So I kind of think they're moving in that direction. But if the question is trading Russ himself, along with that contract Denver just paid him, I don't know if I'm at any other team if I'd be willing to take that on. I might be waiting for Russ to like stir up drama and get himself cut or something because I, I'm not sure what else would happen. I might even rather go see what Mariota has going on after he walked out of the Falcons. I might rather see that if I'm Indianapolis than uh, Russell Wilson just based off the film we saw this year if you're convinced this is a nathaniel hackett problem and the year before his thumb was hurt then all the power to you but i'm just not i was a russ guy and i'm not sure i'm willing to do all of that if we can't trade him this is a nightmare situation for denver is that you can't get rid of him until after year three it's too damaging to the franchise i hate to use the terminology but if you're stuck with him you got to be able to find a coach that Mm. can accentuate his good russ and and mitigate his back you you have to find that you have to find whatever offensive coordinator that's going to jive with him uh put around him what is going to work and you have to basically say hey look this is the offense yeah. This is what it's going to be. You need to fit into said offense. Mm-hmm. We haven't really seen, like, as good as he was when he was younger, we haven't really seen Russ ever jive with an offensive coordinator. Like, even Daryl Bevel and him had their problems that Russ has talked about since then, and he had by far his most success under Daryl Bevel. So... On some level, this, again, kind of leads to it being a rust problem, and it, it scares me again further. I know there's going to be someone excited to go and work with a quarterback like Russ and someone excited to go and get that opportunity, but I think they might need to kind of do something along the lines of like what Arizona did Uh, when they hired Cliff Kingsbury, not necessarily like hire Cliff Kingsbury, but take a coach from a lower level who this is a huge promotion for them. So they're going to want to take the job. I think that might be the best way for them to kind of roll the dice and hit a home run higher at this point. It sounds like to me that the Denver Broncos – they remind me a lot of front runner podcast collective. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Getting it, getting it off the ground. <laughs> yes. Just can we just do that? Yeah. Can we just pot? Which we are doing, which is great. So with with that being said, the other thing that I want to talk about, what we're actually trying to do with this new entity. Mm-hmm. I'll leave that a little to you because that's why I wanted the parallel with the Denver Broncos. Yeah. 
we're trying to get up built and going we have a plan going forward to release weekly football and basketball podcasts as well as a monthly life pod that we've been working on this uh first episode here i think we're going to try and splash some life in with the football because I personally have been having such a a tough week here and I just didn't really get an opportunity to watch as much football this week as I would have hoped, which I'm sure there's a lot of people who weren't watching just over the holiday season. And Christmas is usually usually a basketball time. So I there's probably a bunch of people who are watching the Christmas basketball games as well. Yes. Yeah, I was I was one of those people. (laughs) Uh, I tried. I tried. I tried to watch the football. Uh, I was somewhat psyched about Tua and Miami against Heron, which I will just say for this, this little anecdote, and then I'll go on to the life part of it. The old guys are still in mm -hmm. as of right now. Brady yeah. and Rodgers, yeah. as of right now, they're controlling their own destiny. Mm-hmm. As pitiful as those offenses have looked, <laughs> yeah. as bad as some of the quarterbacking has looked, and you can blame it on so many things when it comes to Green Bay, if you have a little time, go to... Uh, frontrunnerpc.com mm-hmm. and there's an article about Green Bay and what's going on with them mm-hmm. and uh, the lack of weapons or the lack of wanting to acquire weapons I'll put it that way but man they're in and I'm mm-hmm. shocked yeah I I can't really believe they pulled this out either down the stretch it seems like <laughs> Uh, Aaron Rodgers kind of forced Christian Watson to be a good receiver. He's going to throw the ball at him until he fucking catches it, whether he drops it a hundred times or not. But uh, it's kind of, it's kind of working out. They, they're also being helped out by the fact that the league overall seems down this year. It's hard to tell. Like I've heard the argument that maybe it's just more parody overall. And that's why we're seeing less teams so bad at the bottom with only the Texans having two or less wins and less teams with the huge win total. But overall, it just feels like a season of bad quarterbacking to me. I don't know about you. I've taken on the Aaron Rodgers approach mm-hmm. to handling my mother. Yeah. You need to listen to me. Because, unfortunately, we're at that stage of her life that things are a little more confusing. She wants to be independent, but she sees herself not at 74 with an aneurysm that is engulfing her heart and squeezing the life out of her. And kidney failure and... COPD and all these other factors Mm -hmm. but she sees herself as like a 50 year old Yeah, I don't want to use a walker I don't want to use air I don't want to do this I don't want to do that so there's been some hard conversations 
yeah. to go along with that, where it's been, some of it's been gentle, like, could you do this for me? This will bring me less anxiety mm-hmm. if you can do this for me. And some conversations have been like, hey, I just kind of, you just need to do this. Yeah. You know, you need to use this walker every single time. You know, she cut her leg and had, I don't know, 14 stitches and they couldn't get the bleed. 16 hours in an emergency room without being seen. Mm. Then had to go back. So it was like 72 hours of non-sleeping, wondering if the stitch would hold up enough where she wasn't going to bleed out. Like, yeah, I, you know, I don't know. I'm not a doctor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not trying to make it dramatic. I'm just, I don't, I don't know. Especially with all the other ailments that she has. This is what I'm kind of going on. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I just had to go, you know what? It's going to be what it's going to be. And we're going to yeah. do what we can to make her as comfortable as possible. But in that, you're going to have to listen to me. Some of your independence has to go away for this to function correctly. And that's a hard conversation to have with a parent. Yeah. Because they don't want to hear that. (laughs) Yeah, I totally understand that. It's kind of along the same lines of logic of like doctors are the worst patients like they can't no one really wants to hear that kind of thing when they think they know best especially from their children i run into that problem with my parents too definitely when i am pretty sure i know what's right and the right way for them to move forward and sometimes they just don't want to hear it and want to make the mistakes for themselves and before they they acknowledge it kind of similar to how uh, kids are with their parents when they're younger too but it's just like the circle of life when once we get older and our parents start to like lose some part of who they were when they were younger it comes and switches its footing a lot of times i think that's been like the hardest part for me is to know that she's probably about 63 percent hate to throw a number out there because it sounds so antiseptic but this is the only way that i could say it because it's not just Oh, she's lost a little bit off the fastball. It's not that. Yeah. You know, it's there's less, you know, mm-hmm. but there's still a lot there, right? Yeah. There's still a lot there. And what I want to do is just like kind of accentuate those and, and empower her in that way. And it's just basically, hey, listen, I don't know when it's going to happen, but I just want you to have some some comfort, some yeah. dignity. Um, and, and to be able to kind of ease on out Mm -hmm. on your own terms, you know, I mean, that's kind of where my head's been with that. Mm -hmm. And that's the way I've tried to communicate the whole deal. And it seems to me it has been working because it's just coming from a place of servitude. 
It's yeah. just coming from a place of I always think back to uh, my Bible reading and saying, hey, listen, um, if Jesus can wash the feet of the disciples, I can take care of my mother who has not treated me great my mm-hmm. whole life. Let's just be honest. Um, Miko knows, and we'll get more and more into it as we go along. And we actually yeah. will probably hear from Loretta, which will be interesting to say the least. But uh, I'm excited for that. But she, uh, you know, I just want her to have whatever I can give her to make it just easier for her. And mm-hmm. part of that is. Can you make it easy on yourself? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I definitely understand that. Jacksonville has. Jacksonville has made it easy on themselves, Nico. You see that transition <laughs> right there? You see that segue? That's I did. That's professionalism right there. So uh, Jacksonville let Urban Meyer go. Uh-huh. They hired Doug Peterson. Home run. And now they are in the AFC South title chase. Yeah. And actually leading the division on some, you know, some smoke and mirrors deal. But they're, listen. Yeah. It just goes to show you competency works in the NFL. Oh, absolutely. I think that's the greatest argument for the Jaguars. You look at their offense, and I don't know if this is still true after this last week, but it was true uh, this past week that the Jaguars were the only team in the NFL with three players who had over 60 catches and over 600 yards receiving. And all three of those players, they got this year in free agency. None of them were groundbreakers. In Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, Evan Ingram, all of them were just passable NFL players. But just getting those competent players in the building has worked wonders for that offense specifically trevor lawrence we're finally getting to see what trevor lawrence can be now that he has those even passable options next year once uh calvin ridley comes back to the team and maybe wide receiver in free agency or a wide receiver in the draft i think this jacksonville offense could skyrocket yeah, I wish my team could have some competency. I just, yeah. They they were competent this week. I mean, listen, <laughs> you, you say that, but I don't know. Yeah. The Rams are befuddling to me. I fully endorse F the picks. Fully mm-hmm. endorsed it. No problem. But I understood that there was a toll that was going to be paid. Yeah. You got did your I, prize. Did now I know can. it was going to be this year? <laughs> no. Yeah. But I understood the toll was going to have to be paid. Mm-hmm. Now that we are paying it, don't win games 51 to 6. <laughs> Don't you, get coaches fired. McVay looks like a genius again. Baker looks like he could do 
maybe two more progressive commercials. Yeah, I mean, don't start Baker Mayfield if you don't want to win by 50 points. <laughs> I was I was excited about the early second round draft pick. That's how far I've fallen. I was so excited about having like a top five mm-hmm. second round pick, which I know it's still on the table. But yeah. the fifty one to six was quite the uh the little Christmas present mm-hmm. under the tree. I definitely believe it. <laughs> what happened? Like literally Baker lit looked competent. Mm-hmm. So Again, I will ask the question, how is it that billionaires hire people to make these decisions for them mm-hmm. and competency is not just like the the floor? The baseline. The floor. I'm just looking for competent front offices that do the right thing. Like, not all the time, because you're not going to be 100%. But just competency. I think think part of the problem is, like, a lot of professional sports teams kind of see competency as the enemy of progress, where they, they get their Marvin Lewis's in the building, they get their Jeff Fisher's in the building, and they let them stick around for a long time. And then those people get kicked out of the building for uh, some hotshot person. And those people did their job. They got the team to eight and eight. And then they have they run into this problem where is eight and eight the ceiling and certain organizations like the Bengals and the Titans keep those Jeff Fishers, Marvin Lewis's around for a long time. So it makes these coach these organizations really afraid of these eight and eight records. Whenever a coach brings a team to an eight and eight record or has a hard time even getting up to that level, they tend to get booted out the door pretty quickly. I've said this in basketball and I'll say it again. There's no salary cap on your front office, on your mm-hmm. scouting department, on your analytics, quality control. That's mm-hmm. what they call it, right? Yeah. I I would like somebody who is on an NFL staff come to me and please <laughs> explain to me what your job is. I'm not saying it's not a important job. I'm just at, what I'm saying is is that if you have this type of money, you are owning a team. You're putting all your resources into the quarterback and all this sort of thing and don't let me go off on a diatribe about quarterbacks right now. But it, <laughs> If you own this team, shouldn't you put a lot of resource into the front office? Yeah. Yeah, that's a question we can ask a lot of front offices. And again, a great example is Cincinnati Mm because they're a team that repeatedly has not put the money into the front office. They've let their ownership be the general managers, the descendants of the Brown family, and just run this team for a long period of time. They finally made moves and brought new people in, and we've seen success there. But 
another reason they're they're even an example of the previous competency thing is after one year there were people calling for zach taylor's head look at him now like you just got to give these people a chance to go and become competent sometimes which leads me to pittsburgh yeah it doesn't it's not lost on me that Tomlin has a defense that he is somehow mm-hmm. turned into a really good defense. Yeah. Because they always have one. Despite having no cornerbacks on the roster. Well, except no. Cam Sutton. No disrespect to Cam Sutton. He's the man. The offense, yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Tough. Tough to watch. Yeah. Getting better with Kenny, but it's still it's still hard. There can't be any picket slander on this podcast because no, first definitely. and foremost, my mother literally originated from Pittsburgh, so mm-hmm. can't do it. Um, I can't put my mother in the grave, so no. <laughs> Secondly, is I don't want the picket the picket stands to come for me. I just I I don't want it. So I'm gonna leave that alone. I definitely wasn't a picket supporter coming in, but he has impressed me in far more ways than I expected. So I definitely have to give him credit where it's due. He's looking like a competent NFL quarterback right now. Yeah, just get it to Deontay. Yeah, he he does that. He uh, Pat gets a lot of targets with him too, Pat Fryermuth. And uh, they, man, they need more plays for George Pickens. The biggest problem in Pittsburgh right now has to be uh, the Matt Canada factor. We need a new offensive coordinator in the building. I He loves to run ho- ho- a horizontal offense, kind of like a West Coast adjacent style. And despite this, the Steelers are currently on pace to be the worst uh, screen pass team in NFL history, getting absolutely no yardage on the plays. I can't remember the exact number, but it's uh, pretty close to a single yard uh, per average on all the screen pass plays. So we need to kind of find a way, I think, to move forward with potentially someone else in the building. And I wouldn't actually even mind a similar style, but just find someone to execute it better. If we could get someone from that Kyle Shanahan, Mike McDaniel tree, who's going to run a similar style offense or one of the LaFleur brothers to that, I would, I'd really appreciate that as an offensive coordinator. Can I submit to you the offensive coordinator of the Detroit Lions? Oh, um, he's going to be a head coach. Yes, so, sir. Hey, Ben Johnson is ben Johnson is dope. Uh, goddamn man! I I have a couple Lions fans uh, who we hang around with on Twitter Spaces and in the Discord. Shout, Shout out, out to my guy! Shout out to my guy Don. And uh, he, for for a while now, has been saying, if we're going to lose Ben Johnson to another team, I'd fire Dan Campbell and give him the head coach job. And he like he really likes Dan Campbell, but he just thinks the team can't afford to lose a talent like Ben Johnson. And looking at what the team is doing 
with this Jared Goff offense, it's not only does it show that clearly the offensive line is still the most important thing on your offense in the sport, but it, it shows that play callers can get the job done. Play callers that, that connect with their, their gunslinger. That's mm-hmm. the thing. Goff couldn't connect with McVeigh because McVeigh was a video. He was he ate video. He zated. it. Mm-hmm. And Goff was not that guy. Goff is a he's a snippet guy. Mm-hmm. Right. And then he's kind of an idea guy. Like you have to you have to you have to hit golf differently than you could hit like a Stafford or. You know, these other guys that just, they just, like, grieve, right? He killed film. He just watched mm-hmm. a lot of it. Brady, obviously. Even Jimmy Brown. Yeah, they just look for tendencies. They look for weaknesses. They look for things that is going to give them, like, uh, an advantage that they can probably only can use once, but they want to be able to have it. Mm-hmm. That's not Jared Goff. No. He's, he's a YouTube guy. He's a YouTube generation guy. Give me clips and let me be done with it. Right? Mm-hmm. So you just got to find a way to connect with these with these quarterbacks. Because the one thing that I kind of want to talk about is a totality. And I wanted to get your response. And we're probably going to have to delve into this, like this, this topic m- later more. Mm-hmm. I'm coming to the realization that, like, it's not as easy to find these quarterbacks and they're automatically just going to take off. Mm-hmm. I think for the most of them, you can probably count on your hand, the four or five that are legit. I don't care what happens. I don't care how many turn numbers we have. I don't care if the defense isn't playing well. I can will us to a victory. Yeah. Still you two or three a year. We probably mm-hmm. know those guys, right? Mm-hmm. But the rest of them are, and everybody hates the term, game managers. Yeah, Some are really good at it. Some aren't so good at it. Mm-hmm. So my question is, I look at, I look at like Danny, Danny Dimes mm-hmm. in New York. Their season is incredible to me. Me too. Very they don't do they have a and I this is gonna sound so disrespectful <laughs> and I hope that they don't take it as such because I find what they've done this year to be absolutely just unbelievable and outstanding all at the same time. But do they have a NFL wide receiver on their roster? I do see what you're saying. They really could use some help in that locker room. And, but they've went through a lot of injuries. And overall, like, this is a long way around of saying not really, but they've got a couple guys who kind of. This has to be one of the best stories of the year, too. Like, everybody yeah. talks about the, the Detroit Lions. And listen, I will humbly admit that I was wrong because I thought they were going to run the table. And then they ran into the bus saw, which is the Carolina Panthers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fine. I was wrong. No problem with that. 
But the Giants are doing something that I didn't know was possible because yeah. I didn't know that Danny Jones, Daniel Jones could do this. Mm-hmm. I didn't know the effect that Dable could have day one. Even though I knew he was a dynamic play caller, I just didn't know what this was. Yeah. You know, was it going to translate? Did he have his guy in the building? Mm-hmm. He has made it work. He says, yeah. listen, we're going to win games. I don't know how we're going to win games, but we're just going to win games. <laughs> That's true. And so, it has. It's worked a lot better than I would have expected. Dable definitely deserves a lot of credit. So do you, because they didn't sign him. So now he's a free agent after this year, right? Who who are we? Daniel Jones. Uh no yeah, I, I Yeah, they didn't sign him to the fifth year extension, right? Yeah, I believe you're right. I believe so, you're right. So yeah. now he's shown competency, right? Mm-hmm. Now do you build upon with him or do you dabble in the draft? Do you look at trades? Do you look at free agency? Okay, if you're a Giants fan who is so psyched about what has gone on this year. Are you, let's be patient and let's see how everything kind of plays out for the next couple of years. And if we have to kind of go back and forth with quarterbacks or do we go out and we identify the guy and say, that's him. I, I think that windows are just so short in the NFL that if you have an opportunity like this, you kind of have to move while you have it. So I personally wouldn't be one to go back to Daniel Jones. He's been impressive this year, but he's still not the type of guy who I think can get you over the top. I could be wrong, but I I doubt it. So my first look would probably be to the trade slash free agency route. I wouldn't want to like make a move up for a quarterback if I'm the Giants because that's still such a dice roll. I'd be trying to look around the league Maybe even, like, bring in, maybe transition tag Daniel Jones and bring in another quarterback at or around his level and see if we can build up some level of competition in the building. Uh, That's kind of a worst-case scenario. But overall, I think I'd be kind of sitting and praying that Kyler Murray's on the block, Lamar Jackson's on the block, something like that. Hmm. Okay, because I was gonna ask you to throw a name out there. Yeah, I would mm-hmm. say I would say it's probably those two guys. The ACL injury definitely complicates the the Kyler Murray thing, and the the contract actually I think is is kind of movable from what I've seen. So uh, I think that should be that shouldn't be too much of a problem. And then everyone knows Lamar Jackson's situation right now. <laughs> Looks like he's going into free agency. They're probably going to tag him. Um, but uh, the the little used franchise tag rule that if a player's franchise tagged, you can offer them a contract. You just have to give up two first round picks for a guy like Lamar Jackson. That's definitely going to come into play because teams are going to be willing to give that up. Okay. I didn't see you throwing out Lamar. That Mm -hmm. was the one I did not see you throwing out. 
that one you have to kind of we have to vet out a little bit. Yeah. One, if I was Lamar, I don't know if I would play another game for the Baltimore Ravens. No, I don't think I would. I think I would preserve me. And I know Raven fans are out there right now really upset with what I'm about to say. I don't think the team has shown him enough belief in him to invest Mm -hmm. in him. Yeah, I agree. His wide receiver talent has been not great his whole tenure. His offensive line, some of it injury, some of it just misfortune, some of it just I don't bad analyzation. I don't I don't know what to tell you, but uh not great. And the offensive coordinator, I know Baltimore fans, I'll I'll say it for you. Greg Roman has done nothing for Lamar Jackson, uh, has done nothing for the Baltimore Ravens for two or three years. I was the guy who was really tepid on Lamar. Mm -hmm. I still think there's some proving to me. I understand who he is. I understand he's an MVP. I like to see it for a whole year. But I'm also going, I'd like to see it with a different offensive coordinator. Yeah, me too. I'd like to see it with actual wide receivers. Yeah. And a decent offensive line. I'd like mm-hmm. to see that. Yeah, definitely. I I feel the same way. I as a as a Steelers fan, I obviously am going to want Lamar Jackson as far away from the Ravens as possible. Just because it makes the team worse. But as a player, he's so electric and fun to watch that I'm I'm getting a little tired of this team banging its head into the wall over and over. The like the definition of insanity thing where just repeating the same thing over and over expecting a different result. Clearly this offense can't get it done in the playoffs. I understand you brought in Rashad Bateman this year, but that wasn't enough. Especially after losing Marquise Brown. So seeing him in a place like that, maybe the other one that is so fun for me to imagine and not as a fan of a team in the AFC, but is Miami. Because if you, if Miami's ready to move on from Tua sitting there with the assets that they still have in the bank, there's still some, not as much because they traded away for Bradley Chubb and they lost the picks with the uh, Stephen Ross situation. But watching Lamar in Miami with where those wide receivers are making Tua look accurate despite him missing them pretty consistently, I think that would be electric so much fun to watch also Mike Gusecki would be used in the offense again it would be it would be quite something to behold another team that it would probably fit really well be Tennessee Mm, yeah oh yeah they'd love him too definitely I'd be a little concerned with the fact that Derek Henry is probably on the back half of his career at this point like he's still a good player he's proven this to us but um I I just think it would be so much more fun with a guy like Derek Henry and 
you 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 kind of be running into a little bit similar problems in the wide receiver room. Like Burks is a good player. I like Westbrook Akeen. I like Kyle Phillips, who they drafted this year too. UCLA. It's yes, sir. It's still a lot of kind of the same stuff as before where he doesn't have that true number one player besides Derrick Henry beside him, obviously. So I, I'd like that one, but I, I really want to see him in one of these high-powered offenses with multiple receivers. But if you could get through the draft, right, let's say you went and said, okay, we're all in. We're all mm-hmm. in on Lamar. But you allow this contract thing to fester, just continue, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You go into the draft going like, let's build up what we need. Let's get another wide receiver. Let's get another offensive lineman. Let's get a tight end, you know, whatever. Like first four picks, offense, and then whatever. And then you go make the godfather offer to Baltimore. Yeah. For next year's, for the 2024 pick and, and beyond. Now, now yeah. you can see Tennessee. Because you can yeah. then, at that point, also look at getting Derrick Henry's successor at that point mm-hmm. as well. So you, there's so much you could do if you were planning this out, like, for a year. Yeah. Kind of playing the long game, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I totally agree there. So now the other thing is – so. With you not being able to watch a lot of football, mm-hmm. you had yet uh family things to worry yeah. about. Um, did you catch any of what went on in uh the basketball circles? Did you catch any of that? Uh, well, I I caught bits and pieces of games. I watched the Rockets, obviously. And uh, the news that's been going on, I've definitely been following. Oh, also, uh, I, I, did, I did catch a little bit of the Lakers' uh, less than impressive performance last night as well. Um. <laughs> not good out here in Lakerland. It's not good. <laughs> um, if you read what Johan, uh, Jovan Buha put out today in regards to the Lakers don't have a appetite to just continue to throw good money after your bad money or whatever the saying is. Good money. Like, after good money after bad, but they have no appetite to give up these picks just for getting the team just a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, so that tells me this is a wasted season. Yeah. And if that's the case, I'm I'm gonna say what other Lakers fans have been saying. Um I understand what the ownership will say. And I think I speak for a Decent size of Laker Nation that let's see what we let's let's get Anthony Davis healthy. Let's prop him up. Let's see what we can get for him in the offseason. Uh, LeBron, do you want to stay in L.A.? 
can we trade you to the Clippers <laughs> and have you go there? Uh, take the Westbrook money and see what you can do with it. But that, to me, is the way to go. Get picks, get players back that can build you a team um, and go from there. This is this is hard to watch. Um, but we knew what we were getting into when when you signed LeBron, you knew what you were getting into. This, this mm-hmm. is what it is. So yeah. are you happy with the one championship or did you want like sustained success and mm-hmm. kind of moving your way up or whatever the case may be? Anytime you have a superstar on LeBron James level, this is what it's going to be. Yeah. Absolutely. I I remember in the offseason kind of pitching the Lakers take the year, take their foot off the gas a little bit this year and just accept that this is kind of a lost season. Maybe trying to make their moves in the offseason because a guy like Kyrie Irving will be available for maybe a little cheaper. But I clearly at this point, it's looking a little rougher than I expected amongst people other than the big stars. So I, I might not even pitch for that anymore though. I think that's like the only way out of this that doesn't involve a full scale rebuild, or I guess you hit on the Pelicans pick this year. That would be kind of the dream. Like Max Christie ends up being okay. You hit on the Pelicans pick and get a year one contributor. And then you can use those draft picks in the offseason. And the money that is cleared up by having no more Russ and basically nothing else on the books besides LeBron and AD. Well, if you also you also have the opportunity to sign Lonnie Walker the fourth, you also have the opportunity to sign Austin Reeves. These are people that you, um, yeah, you identified, you you, you you cultivated, and you turned. The Lakers have been great about reclamation projects. People mm-hmm. want to want to crap on them as far as development is concerned. Uh, I give to you Malik Muck. Yeah, okay? I give to you a. A, a Rondo that found his purpose in the playoffs. There are a Lonnie lot of Walker, Dwight Howard. There's several JaVel guys. McGee, whatever yeah. you want to say. There are a lot of players out there that have gone through the Laker car wash and have mm-hmm. come out looking better on the other side and got longer term deals. And you're welcome. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Uh, Alex Caruso. I can throw a lot of names out there, and mm-hmm. these are all names that are going to hurt Lakers, Lakers fans because these are all guys that they identified, they cultivated, and now they're playing well for other teams. Now, the Brandon Ingram, I won't take any. I I will not allow the Lakers to take really a lot of credit for that because he blossomed in with the Pelicans, mm-hmm. but. I, I will give them a lot of credit for for Kuzma because I think what he is now is conditioned to what he went through in Los Angeles. 
Yeah. He was, he was made to play a lot of roles. Some didn't fit quite naturally because LeBron and he played the same position, but mm-hmm. he was better for it because he became a pretty good defender, really good scorer. Yeah. Contributed to winning. Mm-hmm. And he's showing all these things in Washington, even though it's for a team that's not that great. So yeah, they've done oh. well with that. So we'll see. Definitely. A lot of people didn't even like Kuzma very much pre-draft. And after the Lakers made the pick, a lot of people were saying, oh, that's such a bad pick. The Josh Hart one was good, but the Kuzma one's bad. And then he kind of proved them wrong as soon as the summer league that year and has just continued to do it as he improves throughout the throughout the years. But just unfortunately, he had to blossom elsewhere. He is exactly what everyone is looking for. Mm-hmm. He is a 3.5. He is a wing that can handle your four and your and your three. You don't want him chasing twos too many times, but he can do it. Mm-hmm. You know, he's on an island every once in a while. He's gonna rebound, which is absolutely key. Mm-hmm. And he's gonna he's not afraid to knock down the shot. So Again, the Lakers, have, that's what they need to do. They need to l- take a hard look at AD, mm-hmm. build up his value, and then look at the teams that are, like, right on the preferences of contending. Yeah. Now, do you trade them within the West to, like, Luka Doncic? Mm-hmm. I don't know what you get back. You have to get something back in return. Do you trade him to Atlanta, who has a ton of wings and a plethora of big men? Mm-hmm. Do you trade him to Charlotte? Do you trade him? Mm-hmm. You know, you know. Do you trade him to the Knicks? If the Lakers don't do anything this trade deadline, mm-hmm. they have to really consider making going to LeBron and say, "Hey, listen, we love." everything you've done for us, where would you like to go? Yeah. AD, you just trade him for the best package you can get. Yeah. You know, I don't think Rudy Gobert package is out there anymore, but I do Mm. believe the three picks, two player deal is out there. Yeah. And if you can get two building blocks back, and recoup some of your picks that you lost in the New Orleans deal. Mm-hmm. That's a good start. Keep yeah. Your pick this year, and, and you know, like I said, your your scouting department, your develop department, has been pretty good. Now let's see yeah. what you can do with like a 18th to 20th pick overall instead of 27 to 40. Yeah, that would be that would be a lot better for you guys just finding finding something to do. Um I'm I'm really hopeful of that that Pelican pick turns into something this year. I I know it's going to be a little later, but I think this class is unique in that well, it kind of reminds me in some ways of 2020 in that 
like some of the later guys who are going later in the draft are a little bit unproven and in kind of weird situations in college and it's caused them to underperform to some level so i think there could be an opportunity there's going to be so many players that uh, contribute that come out of this draft there's a kid out of uh central florida six seven or six eight i believe sharpshooter taylor hendrick uh yeah taylor Hendricks. um he's a stud so i mean depending on where the pick is if New Orleans continues to play like this. It's going to be super late. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's going to be 25th or or or, or, or lower. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. so I mean, you're you're looking at a situation where, you know, just do your due diligence, take the pick. You, you got to start having things on your payroll that have three years on them. Yeah, this one year rental works if you have the bones or the foundation of a good team. And then you're sprinkling in two, maybe three at most. Mm-hmm. And what you're hoping for is guarding against injury to one of the dudes that, you know, the, mm-hmm. these guys are providing depth for, but right now the Lakers, they have zero depth at all. They couldn't play against Dallas the way they did the first half. The second half, there was no way. There was no way the legs were going to be able to sustain that. Even with younger legs, they just – there was no way you were going to be that aggressive with the double team. Also, by the way, Luka is one of the smartest, most cerebral players in the league. So as soon as he saw it coming in the second half, he immediately got rid of the ball and they just whipped it around until they got a wide-open shot. It was three-city all day long in the third quarter Mm -hmm. and there was no adjustment for it so no absolutely not your team is going a lot better though i think we should maybe leave this as a tease for next week because this is something that is brewing right now if you have not noticed nico is a hardened houston rocket fan and when that story comes out of how he became a Houston Rocket fan, which we will say for the basketball pod. Yeah, yeah. We'll absolutely. save that. We can work that in. Okay, yeah, we're gonna have to talk about this later because I got yeah. a lot of things to say and I want to do that. that. That that's like an episode by itself, just this conversation. There's two other things I don't want to leave you with with the football deal. Okay, mm-hmm. two things. One, um, the border regents, yeah, signed off on UCLA. Mm-hmm. Going to the Big Ten right after they got the five-star quarterback from yeah. Detroit, Michigan, Dante Moore. Welcome, young man. Welcome <laughs> to Westwood. Yes, sir. The That's other thing, awesome the, move for UCLA. I'm gonna give you time to kind of get on that. I want to run something by you with that. But the other thing that I want to get on is something that happened in the NFL. I have a note here. 11 and 0 are the Minnesota Vikings in one score games. This mm-hmm. year. Luckiest team in the world. Here's mm-hmm. the point the Viking fans will tell you they just did a better job in tight situations than the other team. 
I got a lot of Vikings fans on my Twitter list who are just saying, I don't know how this is happening. This team doesn't deserve to win these games. It's just every week something, some bullshit happens and Braxton Berrios gets hit in the chest with the football and all of a sudden the Vikings win anyways. Yeah. There was a sack with 32 seconds left. Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you one question and one question only, and it yeah. leads to Dante Moore as well. Okay. What's the one thing they tell you when you leave the sideline from that timeout? What's the one thing they tell you as the signal caller that cannot happen? No, no, do not get sacked. Do not. Oh, yes, yes. We this Justin Jefferson bailed them out of every game. The best receiver in football. He's not good. I don't care what anybody says. I'm sorry. I have been on this for years. <laughs> I'm not. If you are a Kirk Cousins fans, I am very, very sorry. I don't get it. I don't understand. I don't understand what pictures he has on somebody. I don't know what dossier he has nah. on some kind of no, some no, kind no. of military facility. I don't know. <laughs> but I do know this. That good that guy is good for two of these a game. One is definitely gonna get picked off and one that <laughs> should get picked off. And then he does something miraculous, Nico, and I want you to pay attention to this. You need to go yeah. back and look at the video. The next three passes after that interception or after that almost interception, mm-hmm. he's absolutely perfect with yeah. decision making mm-hmm. and with where he places the ball. Yeah. It's almost like, ooh, 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 I gotta be on my P's and Q's. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I I see that with Kirk for sure. He also there's the whole primetime thing, which he has the biggest comeback in primetime football history now, which is insane. But he is like a guy who always makes those kind of mistakes. The the only reason I feel so differently than you about Kirk Cousins isn't even really about Kirk Cousins. It's about the fact that he's bad a lot of times, but there aren't that many quarterbacks better than him. We're just stuck in a league full of average to bad quarterbacks quite often. And he's like, to me, he's like the best of the like that game manager tier you were talking about. He can get that stuff done. He can get you there. I don't know if he can win you a Super Bowl. He probably can't because of the mental mistakes he tends to make down the stretch. But he is like the highest level of a mid quarterback that you can achieve. Kind of like what back in the day, probably about 10 years ago, Andy Dalton was that guy. I think now we, the league's kind of shifted and now Kirk cousins is that prime meridian of quarterbacking. So I will tell you that Dante Moore was a three year starter. Mm -hmm. Won two championships and was in the third one. Yeah. He flipped from Oregon to to UCLA. Mm-hmm. Smart move. Probably going to start next year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could. I I think so. Because the one thing in the college game that's different in the pro game is there, 
your dynamicism as a as just a player mm-hmm. plays better on that scale than in oh, the NFL. Yeah. Yeah, because everyone's just less skilled and less, like, outlier, huge and athletic, perfect. Like, we've seen uh, Denard Robinson. That guy couldn't do anything in the NFL, but he was the most electric college football player I've maybe ever seen. Or uh, what's his name? The Cowboys offensive coordinator, Kellen Moore. He was the same kind of just superstar in college. He wasn't athletic, but he just dotted the ball up all over the place. And that just doesn't hang once the athletes become superheroes. <laughs> Which tells me one thing that Chip Kelly found out from his years of DTR. <laughs> I need a difference maker under center. He saw Caleb Williams up close mm-hmm. this year. And he said, he, he said, oh, my God, I'm about to go into a conference with Ohio State quarterbacks. Every once in a while, Penn State will have something. Mm-hmm. You never know what Minnesota is going to have. Never yeah. know with them. Wisconsin. Michigan. Yeah, Michigan. Mm-hmm. He said, oh, yeah, we got to go get a dude. Mm -hmm. And he went out and got a dude. (laughs) Yeah. Even like you mentioned, like looking at the quarterbacks in the the Big Ten, I think looking at the defenses in the Big Ten, it's almost more menacing because there are like it's obviously not the NFL level, but it's like probably just a couple steps down. The SEC is better, but the Big Ten is damn good defensively too. And now you've added UCLA and USC mm-hmm. to a yeah. to Michigan, Ohio State, and I don't care what you think of them, but Penn State, mm-hmm. it, you know, pretty good team. Michigan State shows up every once in a while. And Mm -hmm. that team in Iowa every three years. Yeah. Team in Iowa every three years will have a 10 win season. Yeah. Now they'll never be like two and 10, Mm -hmm. but every three years you can bet that they have built up the offensive line. They got a couple tight ends and they're not going to make any mistakes whatsoever. Yeah. Man. As exciting as this is, and maybe this will be a good note to end on, this terrifies me for the extended college football playoff. Now that we have the Big Ten, we have the ACC, we have the SEC, we are moving to 12 playoff games, and we have all the six power five conferences guaranteed a team. We're going to start seeing blowouts. Like you won't even imagine like this was not the right time for the NCAA to be doing both these things together. It's going to lead to a lot of garbage, man. I, Oh, of course it's all, it's all about the money for sure. But the problem is, they're focusing so much on the money today. They are not worried about the long-term product and the money in a few years. And 
eventually I'm I'm getting pretty convinced the NCAA could be replaced by another uh, athletic conference, just like starting to scoop up some of these schools. My point exactly. My point yeah. exactly. Let me explain why this, you let me right down the road I wanted to go. And we'll <laughs> end it on this. What do like drug dealers and like big time like criminals do when they're getting towards the end? We got to scoop up all the money. We got to yeah. get that one big score. So this is what they're doing. Yeah. It's a money grab before we become eliminated from the process. Because let me tell you something, Alabama, uh, Ohio State, USC, these other power brokers that are in college football yeah. are going to go, why do we need you when we can go right to the TV folks mm-hmm. and make up our own deals that make us more money? Because listen, the presidents want more money. These college presidents, these university mm-hmm. presidents, all they care about is more money. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. We don't care about the student. There is no student athlete anymore. It's brands. Well, they exist. They're just not the ones we're focusing on. They're like all over. They're, they're 90% of the players on all these teams are student athletes. But the problem is like we're all focused on the 10% that aren't that. Listen, I understand about the HBCUs. I understand about some of the smaller conferences. I understand about some of like the Ivy League schools. I understand and the walk-ons about, and like all all the like the, the guys who make up the bulk of rosters. And then at the end of the career, they go become a dentist or something. Get all the the NIL money you can. Oh yeah, get all of Back it. You that can. Up. The old fast. Yeah, not. Get it all because see that's mm-hmm. the other thing that people aren't talking about. The reason why the NCAA is going after all this money is because they are losing money on these kids because they are now branding themselves, which is a novel concept in America. I know it might not be novel in Canada. It might be not novel in like Italy where like the 13 year old soccer prodigy was making like millions of dollars when he was like chewing gum and eating like now letters. I understand that. But now these kids can do it too. And you know what? More power to them. Yeah. Do there need to be regulations? 100%. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to, uh, be one of these people that go, this is bad for college football. Yeah, it is bad for college football. You know what else? It's good for the kids. Yeah. And I'm down for that. Mm-hmm. I, because, I couldn't agree more. Because what did I tell you earlier? <clears throat> Find someone who understands your value and if they don't understand your value, look at yourself, create better value, and then they'll all come. They'll all come. So, yeah, this words to live by kids. Get your money. Great. Get your great money. <laughs> exactly. You're number one. You have to be your own number one and go secure what you can when you can secure it. 
not on anyone else's timeline. I couldn't agree more. And that seems like an excellent place to end our inaugural episode here. Yeah. Shout out to Amen Thompson and Osur Thompson for getting that back. Yes. Those, sir. those, are, those are my guys who got the back. So with that. Yeah. So I'm super excited. And with that note, we are going to sign off. What we will say to you is listen, be good to yourself mm-hmm. at the end of the day. Because when you're good to yourself, you are good to those who are around you who are looking to you for all of their needs. So take care of yourself and then you'll be better to take care of the ones around you. Nico, it's been a pleasure, my man, and we will see you soon. Yeah, have have a great night, Vince. Have a great day and evening, everyone listening. <laughs>